0: Hey everyone, it's Lou Rosenfeld. Welcome to the latest edition of the Rosenfeld Review Podcast. I'm here with Philip Hunter. Hey, Philip. How's it going? It's going great. Uh, thanks for getting up early. I know in Seattle it's some ungodly time, but thank you for that. No. Philip uh, is uh, head of UX at Alexis Skills, and I said he's a Seattle guy. He's He's been uh, working with AWS in the past, Microsoft, a number of other places as well, and is currently building his fourth UX team in practice. And actually, that's why we got him to lead a theme, one of four themes at Enterprise UX 2017. And that is leading teams at execute. I don't know if you know much about our conference, Enterprise UX, but uh, it's going to be, uh, this year's edition is June 7th through 9th in San Francisco. And every year, we come up with four themes that really seem to... uh, kind of get at the zeitgeist of what's going on in enterprise UX. Mm -hmm. And we create a mini conference around each of those themes, and I'll just run through them really quickly. Our first theme is on craft in the enterprise context. Uh, Phillip's theme is on leading teams that execute, as I said. Uh, Then our third theme is uh, around transcending silos across the organization. And our fourth one is on creating a legacy, uh, actually getting UX to be a sustainable practice uh, that's permanent within the enterprise setting. And so Philip is our basically our, our ringleader on leading teams at Execute. He's going to be joined by Gretchen Anderson of Pacific Gas and Electric, Kim Lennox of LinkedIn, and Peter Merholtz of SnagJobs. Great group. They're each going to give a half-hour talk on leading teams. Uh, but we wanted to talk a little bit with Philip. And understand a little better about what we're going to be covering in that theme and what does it mean to lead teams that execute. You know, there's really two parts of that. There's the leading of teams which means not just leadership but also uh, building and recruiting and retaining and educating and and getting people on the same page uh, and and truly working as a team. Then the other part's execution. What does it mean to actually be successful? So Let's get started with the first one, Philip. You know, from your perspective, now you've you've done this a few times and and you've certainly talked to and worked with other people doing the same thing. What does it mean to lead a team in an enterprise environment? and what are some of the real big challenges that you come across?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. And uh, first, let me say thank you, Lou, for um, you and the the team inviting me to be part of this. It's um, enterprise ux has has filled a, a wonderful space in the conference setting for for ux professionals over the past few years it was a you know it's been a long topic of conversation of what does it mean to to do enterprise level ux and so to be able to get together with uh, people who practice it and want to learn about it uh has been um, a great thing for the industry um so yeah leading people is you know there's a million books on leadership of course um Le- leading a UX team uh, I think is is one of the more challenging aspects of of practicing UX especially within the enterprise um, in some ways because it's it's still relatively new. Um, there uh, we can probably all name UX teams in large companies that have emerged or grown significantly in in their, practice or um or just even existence over the past few years um but you know on the topic of leading teams i think one of the biggest things that we have to think about when when we're going to uh build a team or decide about how we're going to execute is the idea of who's going to be on that team uh, and what kinds of roles and, and responsibilities do we need to have um, at Microsoft, I started doing some work uh, researching into how how does it uh, how does an organization understand the connect the capabilities that are important uh, to make sure that the right things get done. And of course, when we think of UX teams, uh, right away we can start to think of we we start to think of things like interaction designers, visual designers, uh, information architects, user researchers. Uh, and sort of the standard set of, of people. But it, when you're looking at an enterprise scale, um, you have to start thinking of how many of those and how strong do they need to be and how uh, how how many different directions are they going to be focused and what kind of work are they going to handle. And so it becomes a, an interesting exercise in deciding what kind of team you're going to create rather than opening a few um, well-understood job wrecks. And, and then seeing what happens.
0: Well, let me ask you this. This is an interesting angle. So, yes, building a team, that, that, I mean, we do that in every setting, but in the enterprise setting, you just hit the nail on the head, you got to do it at scale. Um, is it better to have 10 okay people of, of, uh, of TribeX, let's say, pick on information architects, because because mm. I like to do that. Um, better to have 10 okay information architects or two incredibly strong ones? Or is there some optimal mix of, of depth and breadth in any one competency?
1: I think I'd always go with, and this is the philosophy we have at Amazon, we'd always go with stronger people over more people. Um, we want people who, who are really, really great at their jobs and who know how to execute, um, who, who can act independently, uh, whose judgment we trust, Uh, things like that Um, and that you know that that is a a very particular stance that we take at at Amazon I'm not sure too many people would disagree with it but at the same time uh, you can obviously find companies where uh, cranking out volume uh, seems to be the priority Um, the what I would add to that though is is it's not just a simple trade-off between those two ideas but it really gets at it gets at the idea of what are you trying to accomplish? What, what needs to happen? Uh, what kind of work do those people need to be focused on? And so um, if you need people with a particular range or depth of expertise, those are the ones you, you want to go after, whereas uh, hiring by title or by resume fit alone uh, may not uh, you know, yield the kind of results that you're after.
0: Well, do you, do you find that you end up with some sort of blended models that to, to, to enable scale? So instead of maybe having a couple of really strong people, like you, it sounds like is the, the approach at Amazon, do you uh, pair them with uh, junior people, uh, sort of, uh, you know, uh, what's the term? Not interns, but, uh, you know, people who are um, apprenticed yeah. to those senior people.
1: Yeah, sure. And, and, and certainly that's that's always a part of scale, too, is, is that you you have different types of work that and levels of work that need to happen. And so uh, on my team, for example, I have uh, a, a very senior designer who helps me with um, thinking about architecture and the system involved and, and all the, the different people that we need to, to be in touch with and, and get on board Um and 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 I have uh designers with with less experience i I consider them highly capable though I think it's one of the the key differences is that I see a uh, high potential for growth in them i I see evidence of strong work in in uh, what they did before they came to Amazon and so their junior status is really more of a, a temporary moment in time uh, rather than a sense of what are. Uh, but certain, and, and, but you know you touch on a very important thing uh, for enterprise as well, which is you, there needs to be more than one leader within, within a, a UX team. And so while ultimately there might be one name at the top of, of an org chart, the, the reality is you need multiple people uh, within that um, UX team that are capable of offering leadership and guidance, mentoring, uh, growth and developments, uh, et cetera. If at all a, a, at the enterprise scale, it just it, it can't all come down to one person um, for at least for very long. Maybe you know at the at, at the initial stages while you're building, but, but certainly one of the first things that you need to add is uh, uh, people who can help with leadership.
0: So uh, leadership is like any of the other competencies. You have to have a variety of people owning aspects of it, uh, some more than others. But it sounds like you you also look at that competency uh, and all of them against the backdrop of time and the person who's uh, your apprentice leader at, at a certain level uh, this year might be uh, a more senior leader in two years and you're bringing them along. So you're looking at it through the, the career
1: arc and and the team's time arc as well. That's right. And and, and then, yeah, and breaking down the team's time arc is, is really – Part of the the, the joys of, of uh, performing execution, you know what, what needs to get done this quarter, this year, the next five years. Um, is, is, and and then the, you're looking at the environment. Are you in a um, are you are you filling a gap in an ongoing business uh, where you're you're augmenting and complementing things that are already happening, or are you part of a high growth uh, business that's discovering a lot of uh, new opportunities and areas? Um, and that will help you make some decisions around who you're going to bring in as well, who who, who can come in and shepherd something that's underway um, or who needs to come in and be able to be very nimble and adaptive. And uh,
0: I hate to use this term, but I'm assuming innovative as well. sounds like you're talking about settings that are more innovation-driven than sort of let's keep the operations up and running and, and consolidate what we've already done.
1: Yeah, you know, and I, I know why you... Um, and I do too, shy away from the word innovation. It it, it tends to be overloaded. Um, I I love the classic definition of it, though, where it is really, it's a two-stage process, which might include invention, uh, but it's certainly trying to apply something that in a situation that doesn't exist in that situation. It doesn't mean that it's net new. Uh, But the other thing is adoption. And uh, if if there's anything that a UX team has to be focused on, it's it's adoption. Uh, How do we... Get people that we're, we're trying to work with to um, want to do things uh, in, in in a way that's best for customers, and then how do we get those customers engaged and um, and working on the things that are participating in, in the product or service that we're we're trying to offer?
0: I'm just wondering about the uh, you know the model we've been talking about, which is very much a hybrid. Uh, in you know what you've learned from talking to other people, like. Like your panelists, uh, uh, Peter and and uh, Gretchen and, and Kim, are you seeing radically different approaches that
1: are working in maybe uh, fairly different settings? That's a great question. I uh, I don't think so <laughs> right now. I would say that though that that's probably a really good area of uh, research to to are surveying to do across the industry. Um, most teams right now seem to be structured fairly similarly. Um, I would, you know, the the most um, if, if we started to compare UX teams across the board, uh, it's easy. It's relatively easy to to see the difference between uh, what we think of as the agency world and the in house world. So, um, in house, uh, you are looking for people who can. Pick up and carry the torch for the long term. Um, there's a lot of early stage thinking and planning that needs to go into a project that may not actually kick off for weeks or months. And then um, there may be a very intense time of UX work that happens, um, you know, over over the course of a few weeks or months. But then it you've got to you've got to carry through the the engineering phase and, and a deployment phase and there's there's a lot of um there's a lot of waiting there's a lot of bureaucracy there's a lot of uh horse trading that goes on during these times and and um so if anything the the, the big approach is really or the big difference is in, in approaches really is you know mindset um between those is saying I'm, I'm in something for the long haul versus i'm trying to crank through a a short-term deadline, and uh, and then drop something in a client's lap, which I know is oversimplifying it, but just to make the point.
0: Well, that, that kind of leads to the other aspect of what you're going to be covering in that leading teams that execute theme, uh, and that's execution. And what does it mean to execute? What does success look like? And obviously that's going to really vary quite a bit given just the, the, the types of landscapes that you just went through. You know, how do you compare even teams within your own organization? Mm -hmm. So, ones that report directly to you, um, Mm -hmm. do you compare them? And is it even fair to do so? Are they subject to the same uh, measures of success? And I'm not sure. I want to use that term "measures" because (laughs) that may not be that smacks too much of quantitative potentially. So, let me me shut up and let you try to answer that. Now that I've (laughs) uh, blown up our question here.
1: Well, first of all, thank you for uh, uh, pointing at the mess and calling it what it is. Uh, There's uh, most of us um, who work in the enterprise uh, have either worked with or, or encounter organizations where it seems like the uh, the primary metric is did we hit our date, and um, and so it's 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 rather binary, um, and uh, we we learn that it's rather meaningless when it comes to delivering value for customers. Um, there are occasions where uh, delivering something by a particular date might result in some sort of customer happiness uh, but or satisfaction, but uh, most of the time we have to go a lot deeper than that. And uh, in organizations that aren't used to going deeper um, or, or than that or, or things like sales metrics or, or um other vanity metrics uh downloads conversions etc cetera, etc cetera. um it, part of the initial job is to figure out what what is it that matters what what are the things that we care about why how do we how would we know that uh, we're, we're we're doing the right thing or a good job at at, at uh, doing something in particular and so this is i think one of the strengths of of uh, a, 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 an execution orientation at um, for UX is, is the idea that we can bring to bear um, our design and research capabilities just to look at the current landscape and then say what is it that we're trying to change to? what is it that uh, is meaningful for us and I, I find uh, at Amazon um, especially uh, currently that a lot of uh, organizations are hungry for that. Um, they've once their eyes are open to the fact that things like dates and, and vanity metrics aren't really um, telling them a story. They become very interested in what well, what is the real story? How do we know? And um, and that's always a very very exciting conversation to be part of. Um, things that have mattered for us um, I- I- include things that that get at usage production. Um, uh, orientation around achieving goals uh and and other you know measures that really get it like what it, it part of it i guess to jump around a little is part of it is measuring what it means to be human in a given situation, whether at work or in daily life um how how do we know that something is useful mm-hmm. uh, and and what would we what what could we potentially apply that that would measure that in some sense? Whether it's, I, I, and I'm I'm a big fan of of, of quantitative uh, metrics, of course. Um, but I was just talking to my uh, one of my researchers yesterday, just about the term evidence uh, as a, a slightly bre- better and broader term than uh, data. You know, so so one of the things we want to look at for ourselves is what's the evidence that we're making the right difference, that we're having the right impact. Interesting,
0: and I wonder if some of those, as you put them non-vanity measures or metrics, help you, especially in the enterprise setting where you know you might not really be able to do big uh, concrete things. I mean, the work, by definition, is almost always small incremental changes that are ongoing, tweaking and tuning. Do those types of uh, evaluations of success make more sense given that that ongoing uh, approach, that iter that iterative uh, approach, where you're constantly making small changes rather than huge big ones?
1: You're pointing at a key problem of, of working at scale, which is your you're by, by definition, you're part of a much larger system that is, a, uh, or or a network of systems. It is somewhat uncontrollable in, in some sense. in other words, you there's no way to to uh, be able to to apply leverage points to all of the system at, at one time. Um, you know it's there there are too many things that could happen. there are too many um, parallel and overlapping activities. Um, and so picking the places where you do think there's a clear line of sight, to um, whether you're working, whether it's just the UX team or working with another team, but that clear line of sight to a particular um, piece of evidence or measurement, um, I think is really important at the large uh, in the large picture. And I would say, don't you know the, the part of the wisdom is don't try to, to cover too much. Um, at Microsoft, um, there was a fairly you know common. Uh, warning about um uh, that that organizations tended to optimize for what they measured so um which often had some unintended consequences right. and uh and so being really really careful about you know what you say actually means something and makes a difference um is, is super important um and then you know, as far as breaking it down into the iterative steps, um I think that having a larger measure or larger sense of mission yeah provides a sort of a north star or a you know a wayfinding mechanism to say, are we on the right track are we are we on the long arc that we want to be on um yeah we we you know it's sort of like taking a cross country trip you know if if you're driving from New York to l a um, there's a lot of ground you can cover in between. Uh, you're you're almost never going to take the shortest route or the fastest route, because those just aren't realistic. <laughs> Your car breaks down, or someone decides that you should visit something someone in Montana on the way. You know, and and uh, so good reasons, bad reasons, things change. Uh, so small iteration sometimes is about undoing things, or or mm-hmm. about. Taking advantage of um, a short-term opportunity, but keeping it in the context of where are we trying to get to um, in six months, 18 months, three years.
0: So I think maybe it'd be fair to say that any conversation about measurement uh, and, and what it means to execute successfully in an enterprise context has to be coupled with uh, other terms like uh, patience and persistence, That might be a good place to to leave it. Um, We could go much longer, but I wanted to thank you. Uh, And if you're listening uh, and you enjoyed this topic and this conversation, we're going to be doing it for a couple hours at Enterprise UX uh, in San Francisco, June 7th through 9th. Uh, Philip uh, will be leading it uh, and joined by uh, Peter Merholtz from Snagajob, Gretchen Anderson from Pacific Gas and Electric, and Kim Lennox from LinkedIn great group. Interesting, a couple of them with a, a strong adaptive path uh, uh, roots. Um, and I uh, really thank you for coming on the podcast today. and looking forward to the conversation continuing in June. Oh, I should say one other thing. My job in terms of putting out a conference is to drive Philip crazy as a leader of his theme so that he in turn drives his Peter and Gretchen and Kim crazy. They've been talking about this since January we've been making them work on this topic since January and the event isn't until June. And we piss people off because we, we make them do stuff when they just want to show up and give a good talk. We want them to show up and give three great talks that work together well and, and that's what we do, and Philip, thank you for being a, a, a useful idiot. <laughs> no, <laughs> uh, a willing uh, participant. Uh, no, uh, I, a tool. I don't know. I can't really come up with a term that doesn't sound bad. But you're 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 a good sport for going along with it, uh, and I'm certainly prepared. a good sport for coming on the podcast today and talking with with me about it.
1: I appreciate how hard you're trying there. Uh, <laughs> it's, it is—it's it, great to be part of this, and yeah, it's—it's going to be a really good conversation. We're—we're um, we're very excited, and, and um, e- even with the uh, the task mastering that we have to suffer through, it's—we're—we're—we're uh, we're, we're glad to be part of this. So, thanks for the opportunity today, and uh, we're looking forward to a, a really, really fantastic conference.
0: Thanks, Phil Hunter from Amazon Alexa. Great having the show.
1: Thank you.